Good morning. We had a busy week this week. Fannie Mae has actually come out with a couple new guidelines that should help several people. Um, the market up, down, this way, that way. Good morning. I'm Brendan Rendo with the Homes Orlando team, joined as always by Joseph Dion of Apley Home Loans. And we, of course, Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, doing good. It's glad to be back. Was traveling West Coast side last week for some conferences and uh, mm -hmm. you're just trying to stay up to speed on what's happening and changing in the industry. And this last week was a little adventurous. It, it was. It was. But it's going to be kind of nice that we can come out with a little bit of good news, some changes in the Fannie Mae guidelines yep. um, that I think will help several different people out there. So let's hop in and let's take a look at some of the changes. So this just came out October 4th. Yep. And probably one of the bigger ones is, and this is your specialty, so I'm going to let you go through this. Yeah. I, I think the biggest one right here is, is on two unit and three to four. So two to four unit purchases, they dropped down the minimum down payment or the, you know, so we went from on a two unit for a primary purchase to somebody buying a duplex, right? They had to put 15% down. Well, now they can put 5%. And the same goes into effect for three to four units. Now, the key here, though, is that your automated underwriting system can be very, very, you know, it's going to be very sensitive. And you got to make sure that um, it's going to want to see like, higher credit borrowers. It's going to want to see reserves. It's going to want to see all those things. They're not giving the dynamic of what all they're looking for on that spectrum, but we've already ran a number of scenarios for bars. And I've had some that I'm like, slam dunk should get an approval. Didn't get an approval. Single family approved all day. But the moment mm -hmm. I go to a duplex, I wasn't able to get the approval at 5% down. So it's okay. going to be the rules there, the changes there. It's a positive change. Um, but we're going to have to play with it and get some experience with what are they going to be looking for in that underwriting finding so we know how how likely or how many bars potentially this can help. Gotcha. But it'll be nice for those people who want to look at duplexes. I mean, it's the duplexes aren't quite as relevant um, here in Florida mm -hmm. as they were where I grew up in uh, upstate New York. There are a lot of homes that were duplexes, mm -hmm. and but it still gives that opportunity for people because really i think the only alternative was um fha correct was FHA, exactly did allow some yeah because fha would allow three and a half percent down on that duplex so this okay. gives that option that conventional option um that wasn't really there before for that first time buyer or second time buyer trying to buy this wonderful then i think the other big one is way down here. We work our way down self-employed borrowers. So this self-employed borrowers. Um, so this one's kind of fun. Um, really, what it's doing is there's some guideline changes, a lot of little bit piece, but there have always been the ability to kind of use one year instead of two years, a lot harder to get. I think some of this is really clarifying and it's going to allow for a little bit easier to get a one-year finding with your AUS, your automated underwriting system findings mm -hmm. for a self-employed bar with one year. Where is that a benefit? Somebody that, A, maybe they just started their company a year and a half ago, so they don't have the full two years of self-employed, So, but they have one full year of tax returns for that. Or it could be in those situations for those borrowers that maybe they have more than enough time, but 
last year was much, much more profitable, much more dynamic than the prior year. So it's helping them with qualify for a little bit more by only requiring that one year finding. Yeah, that's a great point. It's, it's always been easier to go from self-employed to getting a paycheck, but going from a paycheck to self-employed has always been tough for people. Yeah. And it's still something that you need to spend some time with your with your lender and with your accountant to make sure all the numbers come together properly. Absolutely. Because once you put something out there, you can't pull it back. Correct. Exactly. It's a lot harder. There's certain instances we, we always have in like uh, borrowers or I talk to individuals and they say, you know, they'll revise their tax returns. Right. They'll they'll, they'll resubmit. What, what, what is the word I'm blanking on? Uh, but when it comes to those tax returns, kind of once you file it, if you if you amend your tax returns to qualify, underwriters don't look look down on that. And a lot of times they'll reject an amended return if it's significantly higher than the original one. So mm-hmm. this is where, like you said, it's so important to make sure you're speaking to your loan originator and your accountant. Everybody's on the same page. That way, when you put the documentation in place, it's settled. It's good. You know, you're going to be in good shape. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then the other item is there was a slight increase in maximum loan amount, correct? Yeah. So that this is the one that every realtor, every loan officer has probably already posted on social media about. But if you haven't seen it, we went from um, 726200 as your standard conforming loan limit. There's certain areas in the nation that are a little bit higher um, than that. Um, and then the next year, so for next year, it's going to go up to 750000 maximum loan amount. Um, now, the big key here is, is that we already have lenders accepting that higher loan amount. And what okay. they're basically doing is they're going to hold those notes. They're going to wait till next year, like January of next year, rerun AUS for that file, make sure they're still approve eligible, and then they'll sell it off to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac or whatnot. Um, but gotcha. kind of that changes to about, you know, you're talking $23,800 increase and your standard loan loan amount for conventional. We haven't seen FHA's post yet. So we'll know usually that comes out mid to late November is when we see that. Yeah, it always comes, comes a little bit later. Yeah. That's actually, that's probably one of the smallest increases we've seen in a number of years. Yeah. Overall. It's so funny because I I, I, I kind of remember when it went. I think it was to two twenty five or three twenty five, and everyone was <laughs> excited beyond belief. Now yeah, you're looking at oh, I, I think the four. It was like four fourteen or something was the year. Yeah. That was like oh my gosh, we got so much money. Like it yeah, felt and then like you're looking you're looking at the jumbo rates. Oh, how do I get it below that number <laughs> so I so I don't have to go into the jumbo rates? Yep. Oh, I remember those days. That was that was. Uh, that was interesting. So, and then the other thing that happened, and we got the numbers out this morning, is CPI. CPI came out this morning. Yeah, we had PPI yesterday, which we'll hit that on that as well. So we came in a little higher than what people expected. They were looking at 0.3 percent, and we came in at 0.4. And where did we see the biggest adjustment? We're still seeing a very high, high in- inflation rate on transportation. That is, it's just holding up there. 
And then the other place is shelter again. And until this shelter number starts pulling back, you're not going to see that inflation number, I really think, break that 2%. Because month over month, we actually went in August from a 0.3% increase to 0.6%. Oh, wow. So this actually makes up 34% of the overall inflation number. Yeah, so, so that's going up. Yeah, this is one we've got to go down. down in general. Yep. And I had to look it up because I just I wanted to make sure of what what's included in this. And this is um, their actual breakdown. So you see shelters going to be 34.4% of the overall number mm -hmm. for inflation rate. And 25% of it is owner's equivalent rent of residents and primary residents. And we joke about it, but it is actually true. This is actually in their documentation. This is how they get that number. If someone were to rent your home today, how much do you think it would rent for monthly, unfurnished and without utilities? Wait a minute. So we're coming up with this number that has a massive impact <laughs> on our inflation. Like, and we're basing this on a phone call to owners to say how much do you think your house is going to rent for yeah how much is your gonna yours gonna rent for joe i don't know i i'm pretty sure i can get six thousand a month for my house <laughs> brendan's laughing because he sold me my house and he knows that uh, that is not reality <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you get sick well you got the pool so i don't have a pool so i'm probably only gonna get five thousand you know right? what you know, I, I will rent my house tomorrow. You give me six. It'll be rented tomorrow. <laughs> so you, you look at this and it's just kind of mind blowing that the Fed is actually basing policy off of that question. Yeah, that seems crazy to me. It does. It, it, seem, it seems kind of crazy. Uh, then we hop over and this was this was the interesting one the um, producer price index mm -hmm. because the target yesterday was 1.6% and it came in hot at 2.2%. Yeah. It, it was scorching. It was, it, it was, it was very hot, but, and then they actually, they revised last month's number up to 2.0. Which makes this month's increase not look as bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, doesn't look quite as bad, you know? But when you look back at the overall PPI from September of 2022, you know, we were sitting 8.5 percent. Yep. And you have seen a pretty steady decrease until the past couple of months. When we hit a low here in June of 0.2 percent. That mm -hmm. was nice. That yeah. was very nice. Yeah. But July, August and September, we're starting to see some push back up. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, the Fed's kind of got to be looking at that, going, "Hmm, you know, do we need to do an increase?" Yeah. Is that? I'm wondering if some of that's from a lot of these union situations where they're negotiating, you know, pay increases that they haven't had for the past ten years. Yeah. So that could be a factor that's kind of pushing things up a little bit. Mm-hmm overall yeah um, and i think i think we can potentially with energy costs like 
you know, that's what I'm curious with the energy cost. What are we going to be looking like? We've seen, you know, we've seen this like thing with Russia and Ukraine has impacted energy, kind of pulled away. We've tapped into a lot of reserves. We've done this. But now you've got the thing with Israel and Hamas. Um, right. and you're dealing with that over. And do we see these numbers continue to go up in the next couple of months? Because the biggest factor, I think, when we're looking at this has been energy over the last you know, last few months when we see the big shifts has been shifts in energy cost. Yeah. Well, when you look at August, August energy was our biggest shift, 10.3%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And September, again, energy, 3.3%. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Energy has been the biggest one. OPEC did come out and say that you they're not going to touch anything. You'll know if they're going to adjust anything because they're going to have a minister meeting. If they have mm -hmm. a minister's meeting, then you're, we're probably going to see either production increases, but also a for, possible increase in pricing. But yep. so far they've kind of held steady, but they said if this conflict continues to go on um, for an extended period of time, then they are going to have to more than likely have a minister's meeting and see where, where things are going to flow from there. Yeah. You know who's not worried about inflation right now? Who? The person that won the Powerball last night. Oh, my gosh. That was a $1.75 One person. Wow. That's nice. Oh, Too geez, bad they live in California, so that's going to stink for them. Kind right, of. So after taxes, he's going to get about $1.2 That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Congratulations to him. That's right? awesome. I just I just saw the headline. I just laughed at that. <laughs> well, what's one thing that's interesting is though, even with some of this inflation news, we've actually seen over the past couple days, and this has been nice relief, is some pullback in the mortgage interest rates after hitting a peak, you know, of around four point eight. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> You know, the 10-year the T, we've actually we pulled back to 4.6. Went a little yeah. lower yesterday. We're in Would have liked to stay lower. Yeah. But much, much better than where we were a week ago. Yeah. Oh, you'd much rather see the chart go like this any day of the week. Any day. Any this day. Is, this, of course, was Columbus Day, so markets were closed. But you're seeing that. You're seeing that pullback yeah. right now, which even with the amount of debt being um, put out there, Yellen, I believe was $275 billion worth of debt last Ooh. week. T-bills put out last week that the 10 year T is still pulling back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is people right now, you got 94% of the market saying Powell's not going to move in November. Yeah. That he's going to hold. What do you think? What do you think's causing that though? Like, I, I, I think you see. I, I, I'm looking at it and I go, what, what's kind of maneuvering? Because we are getting these, you know, CPI, PP, like these things are coming out a little bit hotter than expected, which would usually say mm -hmm. that they're going to look to bump rates again. So why do we have a consensus that we're not? I think it's this right here. This. In that. They we had a reaction in the treasury market over the past month that I don't think that they expected. 
I okay. think they expected a little bit of an increase after Powell's meeting, but I they don't think they saw, saw the jump that we were going to have. And okay. I, I think that's what it is. And I think people are kind of, mm, you know, the, the interest rate jump, quite honestly, is more than enough to give Powell the effect that he wants, which is pull back and slow down the economy. Yeah. You, the jobs report came out last week. And, you know, of course, the headline, they always write the headline to look great, you know, 336,000 new jobs. But what they didn't tell you was over half of them were part-time jobs. Well, and yeah, and the number of full-time employees went down. Yep. And the number of people holding two jobs went up. Mm -hmm. So you always got to delve into that information and actually really look at it. And even going into December right now, we still we're still over 60% okay. of people believe that they're not going to do a rate increase. It's okay. a pullback from last week, which was 71%. But I think the I think the big thing to watch the end of this week and beginning of next week, yeah. bank earnings start to come out. Yeah. And the banks are taking huge hits on their bonds. Yeah. You know, absolutely huge hits. So the profitability of not only the big banks, but more importantly, the the regional banks, I think that's the big thing to watch. And I think if they're weak or I mean, I mean extremely weak that I think it's, it's an alarm bell for Powell too, that, Hey, you know, you pushed it, you pushed it too far because you don't need those. You don't, we don't need another, you know, hundred banks going under because, you know, their bond, you know, they can't sell their bonds or if they do have to sell their bonds to raise money, they're taking such a discount on them mm -hmm. to get rid of them, to raise cash that yeah. it, it's, it's going to force them basically to go under. Yeah, I think I and you, like you said, like with a lot of this in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be really, really imperative. One bank in particular that as they report their Q3 earnings that I'm really interested in is Truist. A um, mm -hmm. lot of pieces that I feel have kind of happened with Truist um, in, in the news recently. So you had some of their C-suite executives resign. You had some mm -hmm. of their board members leave. You have them selling, like trying to sell off one of their most profitable divisions, being insurance or like, why, why do that? You know, seems like there could be some turmoil with Truist that that could have an impact um, on the bank. And that's a major, major bank. That's one mm -hmm. where it could have a big move. And that news can have a really big impact on the economy if we see something. Obviously, nothing like Silicon Valley or anything, not going to yeah. see anything like that. But it's the first time that I've really seen one of these big powerhouse banks really sit there and go, hey, there's some turmoil here. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a number of people coming out with with some some warnings. I, you actually had a chance to talk to uh, one of the gentlemen from Fannie Mae. Yeah, your... Doug Duncan. Um, so I was at AIM Fuse, which was their big conference. We had Doug Duncan. Um, which is the chief economist. And obviously they give their little quotation asterisks, like this is not official, blah, blah, blah. We will not hold by this by any means. Uh, but it was kind of really interesting to see his stance. And he's like, you know, A, like he's speaking way up here. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just a little peon on the ground floor type thing when it comes to this knowledge stuff. Uh, but it was kind of interesting to see his conversation talking points. He thinks that probably, you know, potentially, no more increases this year, but they're citing that if they're 
if something were to happen, there might be an increase um, in December and so forth. Um, but he does expect to see rates start to take a pullback maybe late 2024 is what they're predicting on Fannie Mae's side. Um, okay. A lot of other people are predicting Q2 potentially for rates to start taking a pullback and come back down. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody in their right mind is predicting rates in the threes or fours. I'm seeing yeah. a lot, and I think Fannie Mae even kind of what he was kind of alluding to is maybe high high fives, low sixes, uh, which would be, you know, awesome, right? Yeah. I think comfortably, we've been saying this for the better part of a year, of if the rates stay in that six range, like that low six, high five range, that's mm -hmm. going to be healthy, that's going to be sustainable, and that's yes. something that, you know, we can look for a balanced market. Yeah, because I think we we saw that once they hit that was it six roughly about six and a half the market just kind of froze, and yeah. it's been frozen really ever since then. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that's if we can get back into that you know low sixes high fives and have a nice couple of years of floating in between there, I think we can do, we can have a great you know a, a great um, business again, you know mm -hmm. a, a steady not not crazy not too slow but a nice middle ground mm -hmm. that's gonna that's gonna help everybody overall yeah with it with it so let's hop in to our our, our orlando numbers and what we're seeing is what we've seen really all through september and most of october in that besides the final week of the month we're, we're seeing a pullback on the number of sales. So again, we pull back into the mid 300s overall sales and our inventory continues to increase again. We've got another 100 plus homes on the market. So we're almost at that 5,000 home listing mark right now. And then the condo market really has slowed to a snail, you know, mm -hmm. with only 133 and their inventory is continuing to increase. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll give you, an, for instance, I've got a client, I've got to go through, I'm actually going to go through all the condos in Altamont and Longwood and do a comparison of the HOA fees because mm -hmm. that's been the biggest holdback for everybody is, you know, they last year, you pretty much were in that 300, 350 range for most locations around Altamont Springs, uh, mm -hmm. Longwood, you know, throughout Seminole County. But with the insurance adjustments, some of them have been a hundred dollar increase. Some of them have been two hundred. One place is actually been a, was a three hundred dollar increase oh, man. in their in their HOA fees. Yeah, which so, is a big impact. I mean, you're talking that HOA three hundred dollars. That's, gosh, you're talking almost a 30, 40, 50, 50 thousand ish increase in buying power if you didn't have an HOA. If you if you didn't have the HOA, exactly. So, so exactly. that affordability piece, right, becomes a yep. bigger question. Yeah, it costs less for the condo than the single family, but is it the more affordable option? Yep, exactly. And then here's the big thing, which we look at every week. Original list price to sales price. We have dropped down to just over 93% on original to list. And it's not just the high-end stuff. You know, you do see the 86% here. So mm -hmm. again, some of these higher-end homes are really starting to have to cut their prices to be able to move mm -hmm. on the market for people. I mean, that extra 23000 not going to make it 
up at that level, <laughs> you know, yeah. on, the new, on the new loan limits. But you look right across the board and you see, you know, original 94%, 95, 96, 94, 95. Mm -hmm. So everyone is ha having to drop their prices in order to get their houses sold. Yeah. And we're, and our days on market is holding up as well. So this is where if we look at it right as a buyer, you're, you really are kind of start starting to move into that, into more of a buyer's market. And if you sit down with your loan officer and your realtor and you use them as a team together, don't use mm -hmm. them separate, use them as a team. You yep. can sit there and you can, you know, look at your numbers, look specifically at the neighborhood you're looking at and you can run the numbers and figure out, okay, I can get myself, you know, if, if, if I'm able to get, you know, $12,000 on a, on a $400,000 house, you know, for closing costs, you know, Joe, if I use eight of that to buy down my interest rates, do I get myself from that 7.75? Can I get myself down to the 6.75 or maybe just a little bit lower? And Brendan, can I still do, can I still use some of this for my closing costs? You know, what is my, what is my overall out of pocket going to be? And mm -hmm. what's the best way to put, put together, you know, a beneficial package so that when I go in here and we make this offer, we've got the best presentation we have and it's going to make the most financial um, sense for me overall. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's more work on our part, but it, it's, it's what we need to do for our clients. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's really being a full, like it's, it's kind of that being a full advisor, right? Yep. Like not just an order taker, not just someone that opens the door, right? It's actually sitting there and going and saying, Hey, you know, Brendan, you're the realtor, Joe, you're the mortgage professional. Give me the advice that's going to set me up with the best scenario possible, right? Like what's going to give me the best purchase price terms. And right now we know exactly like you said, seller credits are out there. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I talked to a borrower and I, they, they were pre-approved a year ago, followed back up to them. And I was like, look, market's a little bit different. You know, a year ago, you weren't getting seller credits. You have that ability now. Ask for them, right? Yep. Take advantage of them. Yep. Um, and that's, and we were able to kind of go over exactly what you said of, Hey, if we do this, this, and this, this keeps your payment here. Is that comfortable for you? Right. Because at the end of the day, everything starts with and ends with, in my mind, the payment for that bar when yes. it comes to the mortgage world. Right. Like yep. if you got to be comfortable with the payment. We can have anything over here. Right. But if you're not comfortable with the payment, then then it doesn't matter how much you qualify for. It doesn't matter what 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 you can do. Right. You know, a lot of borrowers qualify for, you know, they may qualify for a five, six hundred thousand dollar home but they're not comfortable with the mortgage over $2,000. And really in this marketplace, that's not going to be anywhere near a $500,000 home. No, right? it's going to be way, way below. So we've got to have those conversations up front. That way they're not wasting their time and they're not wasting realtors times looking at properties that they're not going to be comfortable with the payment. Yep. Yep. It's not, honestly, it's not always a pleasant conversation. No. But it's it's ones that we have we we have to have them, yep. we really do. And then you know you see here the graph wise again you see really kind of leveled out and kind of a slow decline in the number of sales. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I think we're just going to stay in this, in this average, you know, we may get down to a 400 average um, mm -hmm. over the next couple of weeks. And that's again, because of current interest rates. Yeah. And here it is inventory. We're actually over 5% above where we were in January. Wow. So that's why you're seeing the original list to final sales price, that percentage starting to increase. Yeah. Is because there are more homes on the market. You and, don't feel pressure to accept, accept, and, you know, and, something and you're not comfortable with. And I'm just curious. I, I heard this conversation a lot and I've been, and I, I want to get your take on it. Right. Um, back historically, we've always said a neutral market is what, like six months supply, right? Correct. Right. So that's like historic. That's a, yeah. but we're not there anymore. And I think technology has really changed that. And a neutral market might be a three to four month supply now. Yeah. I, I truly think a neutral market is more like three months. I don't, okay. it, to me, it's not six. It's you know, and that's, six where it's, that's a new way of thinking, right? There's a lot yeah. of professionals that are still leaning toward six months, but the reality is, is with how quickly things can move now, mm -hmm. three months is probably the realistic number. Yeah. And you, you see it with a lot of sellers where, you know, after 30 days now, because your house has been all over the internet. Yeah. It's, I mean, it literally is all over the internet and you'll see where, you know, I, we actually, we just withdrew one. And reason being is that where it was located mm -hmm. within that subdivision, if we had done it, if they had put it on the market three months earlier, we, we would have gotten the price. But now there were four home sales within the subdivision that all of a sudden the price dropped out, out the bottom that were, you know, really 30, 40,000, $50,000 below what they should have been. Mm -hmm. And when we re-ran the numbers, okay, based off these current four sales, you know, we, we basically were down about $30,000 on what the house is going to appraise for. Gotcha. And that's not where you need to be. So you know what? It's not doing us any, it's not doing us any good just leaving it on the market. We can pull it off, Yep. you know, and just watch the market. And if we see the market start to heat back up, you know, maybe early spring, it may be a time to put it back on. But right now there's just, there's just no benefit. And even if we look at the current pendings, we're not going to be able to support the price of that house. And there yep. are pockets right now within Orlando where you're starting to see those, see, see home prices pull back some, you know, not, not, anything crazy, but, you know, two, 3% drop that we haven't seen in a long mm -hmm. time. You know, I, I run the numbers, for instance, it's interesting because you run the numbers in Altamont, Altamont's got a month, month supply of inventory mm -hmm. and they've actually, we've actually increased about 6%. Um, I think it is over the, over the year in Altamont, but there's also, again, no inventory. In yeah. Altamont. But you go out Sorrento, Eustace, Inventory's booming right now. Mm -hmm. and you're starting to see the prices pull back. And this is, you know, one that I'm starting to keep an eye on a lot, which is your temporary off market and the withdrawn. And you see the end of the month, all of a sudden you saw a spike in withdrawn. Wow. And it's really kind of the same conversation I probably had with my people. 
is the market's pulling back a little bit. And I know you want this price, but right now with the current current situation, I just, I don't see it. So they didn't have to sell. They kind of wanted to sell, Yep. but they didn't have to sell. So, okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense for everybody there. Awesome. And in the, in the condo market, we're seeing the same thing. Pull back on the original list to sales price. We're down to 96%. You know, days on market pull back a little bit, but sales have just, I mean, straight down for, for condos. And that's, you know, that's, that's where, you know, I just, I think condos over the next year, you know, until maybe we get some, they get some kind of insurance relief or it's going to be a tougher time to, to try and sell condos and get, you know, you're definitely going to be coming off your peak prices with the condos. Definitely coming off peaks. Yeah. You know, because you just can't sell it for this much and have a, have a new HOA over here at this much. Mm-hmm. So, but, but that's that's our news. Thank you for joining us. Please, as always, like and subscribe and join us every Thursday. Joe, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you. Absolutely. Love it. Take care.